You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 48 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. I'm Gina Militia, and I'm here with the awesome Valerie Koo. How are you, Val? <laughs> I'm well, Gina. How are you? I'm great. We thought we'd turn it around this week. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I hope you didn't get a shock, listeners, because uh, we decided to change things up a little bit, and uh, it's probably not your usual intro, but we thought we'd do something different. <laughs> but what have you been been up to Gina? So it's been a big week of uh, shooting, lots going on. It's very busy time of the year um, for me. Same for you, Val, I imagine. Yeah, crazy. And we're about to do a shoot together as well. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. should be fun. Yeah, I'm like excited. I'm like the crew, aren't I? I'm kind of like the assistant in a uh, sense. When we do our shoot, oh, you're more than that, Val. <laughs> I'd sort of name you the producer. You're kind of running the whole show. But like you can say crew if you want to be like sort of Valerie from the block a bit. Yeah, I'll wear I'll wear black black jeans and a black t shirt and yeah. have my clipboard and Yeah, yeah, you, know, you love a clipboard, don't you? Yeah, and tell people what to do. So so this week I kind of feel like um, I've been given the keys to the car <laughs> and uh, sort of let to take over because what I thought is um, we've got this awesome resource in you and uh, I always have so many uh, questions relating to how I run my business as a photographer and I thought that like I think a lot of the listeners would get a lot out of it. So um, I thought we'd uh, do a show where I ask you questions this week, Val. <laughs> that should be fun. That should be fun. <laughs> so this week's topic is how to build your profile as a photographer because, in fact, that's what I do, not just for photographers but basically with creative entrepreneurs. Usually I mentor an artist and a photographer and, you know, many writers and uh, people who are in creative industries on how to build their profile and grow their business. And uh, that's just one of the things I do but it's one of the things that uh, I really enjoy. And I'm a mentor in a program that uh, where, where where my special area of speciality is uh, how to build your profile. So Gina thought it would be a good idea to talk about how to build your profile as a photographer, something a little bit different, uh, and we hope you enjoy it. But before we get on to that, we have a few shout outs, don't we, Gina? Yeah, we do. Yep, 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 yep. First one is from Michael Brewer. Hello, Michael. And Michael has posted a photo in the podcast community. And if you're not part of that on Facebook, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and you'll find us. Just join. It'll be great. Fun. It's, it's, it's great. We're all in there pretty much every day and we're posting photos and we're commenting on each other's photos and getting ideas and learning lots of hacks. You know, I've learned quite a number of hacks through the Facebook community. And Michael has said, hi everyone, I'm a newbie enthusiast and have been lurking here for a few weeks. I love, love, love the podcasts. Thank you, Michael. Made our day. This photo is my first attempt at using the manual setting. And on top of that, I used my dad's 50 millimeter lens from 1974. So I used the overcast 11 rule for exposure and focused manually. I think I should have used a lower aperture as not everything is sharp. I'm looking forward to shooting and posting more. And we're looking forward to seeing your shots, Michael, because, you know, 10 points for your first attempt at using the manual setting. It took me ages and lots of encouragement and nagging from Gina before I got onto the manual setting. And even now I still have to force myself to do it. it not be lazy and, 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 and just put everything on automatic. Yeah. Uh, but what's your answer to 
what's your comment, Gina, to to what Michael has said, and also about his great photo? So we put the photo in the show notes, and it's a great photo. He's taken it at the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas, which if you've been there, you'll know that they have a fake Venice <laughs> indoors yeah. with canals with gondoliers with gondolas yeah and uh it's he's taken a great shot sort of like from a bridge or a mezzanine level or something looking down at a couple of gondoliers who are you know with their gondolas in in these canals and it's some great colors and i think it's i, I love the shot because it reminds me of when i stayed at the venetian and also they just look like little toys yeah they I do mm. So I think Michael's done uh, a fantastic job and how exciting that he's using his dad's 50 mil lens yes. and he's uh, taken the plunge and gone manual. The, the sort of the way I describe going to manual, it's like when you first learnt to drive, Val. Remember like the first time you got in? I mean, I learnt uh, manual to drive a manual car, mm. a stick shift, uh, and uh, there were so many things to remember, the clutch, the brakes, the you know, and all of that. And it felt so overwhelming at first, mm. but now I drive and I don't even think about it and so hopefully uh michael after you've uh been shooting manual mode uh for a little while you'll be in the same position where you just it just it just happens naturally so but you need to keep doing that so what i would suggest is you go into aperture priority to start with and so the camera selects you select the aperture that you want to shoot at and and um and uh and then you uh just ride the shutter um from there which is a, a great way to shoot in terms of um when you say ride the shutter you mean change the shutter speed change the shutter mm -hmm. speed until you're getting it uh you look through the viewfinder and you'll see that there's um you'll you'll see a zero plus one plus two and then minus one minus two through the viewfinder that's the camera meter and so basically you adjust your shutter speed till you've got it in the zero and then you know that you've got the correct exposure uh in terms of like worrying about um that the the, the shot is it in focus all the way through that doesn't matter so much find one thing in the shot Michael that you want to be the hero of your shot and that's what you want in focus and let the rest of it go and um, that that'll make whatever you're photographing really stand out against mm. the background but like I think fantastic effort uh, for your first go and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, more stuff from you yeah definitely Michael want to see more stuff from you fantastic so we also have a listener question from Kevin Mahoney and Kevin has said and if you do have a listener question just post it in the uh, Facebook group as I mentioned so Kevin has said hello Gina how are you going please explain the difference between fashion and glamour photography and the difference between retouching in each genre and Kevin has also said P.S. you and Ms. Koo really need to visit your fans in New York hint hint <laughs> we would love to go to New York yeah. we should plan that Gina yeah, we've yeah, been yeah, to definitely. New York together before and it was an adventure um, but uh, we should we should go back again and definitely see Kevin one of, my, one of my favorite cities in the world I yes. love New York so, yes, the difference between fashion and glamour photography, Gina. Yeah, so um, the, the differences are really subtle. Um, but basically, mm. uh, when you look at fashion photography, fashion is about selling clothes or a product yep. and glamour is all about the model. And um, so, and also when you look at fashion shots, fashion shots may be uh, cool or edgy, whereas glamour, it, because it's about the model, tend to be a bit sexier in the look, even though you can get um, uh, sexy looking fashion shots. There is a little bit of overlap, but they're the main difference. Um, as a general rule, and I know this is changing, but as a general rule, fashion models tend to be very thin because the designers Extremely thin. yes the designers um sort of maintain that uh thin models uh, the clothes hang better and that's why they like to have like size i don't know four the zero whatever they're tiny mm -hmm. tiny tiny just Minus so their clothes three. look better in photos but whereas the glamour models 
uh, it doesn't matter. They can be any size. So, so they're the main differences. And you do see that um, there are a lot of uh, fashion photographers who also shoot glamour and they tend to overlap. But what tends to happen is fashion photographers uh, lead in terms of developing styles and everyone else follows after that. So you'll see that there's a little bit of a lag, but as a general rule, glamour photography will start uh, bringing in some of the styles that uh, uh, fashion photographers are developing and so there is a little bit of overlap when it comes to retouching uh, I find that glamour retouching is a little bit more stylized mm. um, and uh, they tend to like you know skin is uh, absolutely perfect and uh, blemish free and there is a real look to glamour photography it almost looks shiny to me yeah you know and uh, a lot of work goes in that whereas um fashion photography can be anything you can have fashion photography that has that glamour look about it or you can have fashion photography that looks like um I don't know, they just got out of bed, that, that just street got out of bed, look, you know, and street photography where it can be really, really grungy. So there's mm. there's many different styles of fashion photography and it's obviously depends on uh, the label that they're photographing and what market they're aiming towards, um, whereas glamour photography tends to aim towards um, a slightly older market. You don't see a lot of uh, teenagers being shot as glamour, really. Um, so, yeah, they're the main differences. It is really subtle, but when you know, like, basically, it's about glamour's about the model, fashion's about the clothes or the product. Great. Thanks. Good, good, good summary. Um, but let's move on to uh, something that you're doing that's very exciting, Gina, which is going to Sicily on a Sicilian food tour. But there's something special about the Sicilian food tour, isn't there? Well, that I'm there. Well, apart, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're there. But tell us about the tour because you've already been on one, what, a year ago or so? We were there last year and we were there the year before. So this will be our third one. But yep. uh, Sicily uh, is where my family are from and uh, my, one of my best friends, Carm uh, Ruggieri, is also running the tour. And we always talked about like one day, one day, we're going to take a group of pe uh, people to uh, Sicily together and uh, take them into a village and we go into Calm's uh, uh, hometown of Scoliti and uh, we stay. Her relatives um, take us around. They're all on board uh, helping us through the entire tour. We get to eat with them. Um, we hang out with them. We learn um, how to cook and then I'm taking uh, a, a group of photographers around and uh, we, we do uh, photography workshops uh, around Sicily and uh, it's just uh, uh, like it's my absolute happy place so it's it's the kind of tour so we've got a few spots if any of the listeners uh, are, are interested when is it, it? It's, uh, it's going uh, next June 2016 uh, June 1st and it runs to June the 7th so basically um, if you're interested in photography if I and you wanted to go on this tour you can do some workshops with you is that correct you get to do the workshops but you know what it's who it's ideal for it's mm -hmm. ideal for like couples so like a lot of us as photographers have partners who perhaps aren't even interested in photography and it's hard to sell the idea of like so we're going to go on this tour you'll sit in the hotel room <laughs> or just follow me around you know you get a lot of photography widows and widowers mm -hmm. as a result mm -hmm. but this way uh, what happens is the photographers all go off and do their own thing and then the partner get to be part of the food for tour, tour. so they're visiting um, you know winery you eat your body weight in cannoli and gelati <laughs> there is lots of Nutella I generally probably uh, come home about six k's I always I've worked out how to smuggle uh, extra weight back into Australia <laughs> I, sm I smuggle it in on my hips Val <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> yeah so um, it's uh, the food is incredible and it's like you get to a taste of the real Sicily and we go to these locations where it's just us there aren't any tourists Sicily's undiscovered and uh, and uh, you'll get to hear me uh, speaking in uh, Italian <laughs> you speaking in Italian <laughs> okay <laughs> so it's it, it's lots of fun so if anyone's interested uh, there's a link in the show notes uh, if oh, you, you want to have a chat to me you can just email me news at ginamilitia.com and uh, I'll give you some more information and uh, put you in touch with Calm and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, some of you might like to come along. 
So we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's sicilianfoodtours.com. And, uh, and, if, and you can follow the links from there. But big shout out to Phil N. from Isa for his iTunes review. Thank you so much for your five-star review. Phil has said, great way to spend an hour. And he said, fun and informative. The optional Facebook group and email newsletters complement the podcasts very well and give great insight into the photographic world. The depth of information freely given out on the podcast is much appreciated. Cheers. Thank you, Phil. That's that's awesome. Thank you so much. And if anyone else has uh, 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we would really appreciate it because it really does help us in our rankings because iTunes have some crazy algorithm where, you know, if you have been rated or reviewed, then they're more likely to push you up in the rankings apparently. So, we would love your help on that one. Thank you so much. We read each and every one. So let's get stuck into this week's topic. Gina, you You're said... going to give me the keys to the car now, Val? <laughs> I'm going to give you the I'm keys to, to the go. car. Are you insured? <laughs> I am going to answer all your questions. <laughs> Exciting. Okay. So this is But my... I might ask you some back. Yeah, yeah, because this is my debut as an interviewer. So, like, you know, just be gentle with me, people, all right? So, <laughs> so the topic, uh, how to build your profile as a photographer, Val. So, yes. um, first question I want to ask you. So, um, for photographers out there who want to build up their profile, so, like, if there's so much to think of and so many things and so many areas that we think we might go – where do we start? What's the first thing we should be looking at? I think that the very first thing that you need to do is determine what your goal is because every photographer has a different goal. Some people want just more cash, so they want more clients. Um, other people want to have more of a certain type of client, so maybe they want a niche. Other people just want to be great photographers and just want to get their work out there and you know appreciated and loved, and they don't necessarily care whether they get a lot of clients because they might have a day job, but they still want to identify as a, photography, a photographer and to be recognized as a photographer. Yet others want to not necessarily get clients, but perhaps want to work with brands and to, um, you know, be in partnerships with certain brands because they have a following that that brand might want to reach. So every photographer is different and every photographer has different goals. So in the first instance, definitely determine what your main goal is or your main couple of goals are because then the way you build your profile is going to depend entirely on those goals because otherwise you could there's a hundred ways you could build your profile but we don't have all the time in the world we need to channel our energies to make sure we're doing the things that are most efficient to reach our stated goal so yeah, it's it's determining what you want to achieve. Do you want to be known as a wedding photographer? Do you want to be known as a surf photographer? Do you want to only um, get clients in your geographic area because you're just not going to travel two hours to a job? Right. You know, so you, you you really need to think about that and not just think of profile building as a big general thing of I just want to. Yep be more famous because if you're only if you don't want to travel two hours to a job there's no point building your profile on the other side of the country through social media if you're never going to necessarily you know get um go to a gig on the other side of the country so yeah that's number one i think you make a really good point about uh finding your niche there uh Valerie and working mm. out what it is because I see I think the mistake that a lot of newbies make is they just uh, say that they do everything which of course when you're starting out I think it's important to uh, try everything out and find it but as you're trying to establish yourself I think it's really important to uh, try and uh, find one like a, a, a couple of specialties because people will come along and they're not sure what you do when you're trying to show off that you do everything. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think that the following on from that, I think another mistake that newbie photographers make and artists generally make is that they sit there and they ponder and they think, I have to choose my niche really carefully because, you know, 
what if I, I don't, but I don't know which one to choose. You know, should I choose uh, weddings? Should I choose that I want to shoot entrepreneurs? Should I choose that I only want to do art, arty photography or fashion? And if you're a newbie photographer, don't stress about it because the beauty about the fast-paced world we live in is that if you go down one path and decide on a particular niche and, you know, you make your website to be that you're specializing in whatever that niche is, and if you go down that path and actually discover, you know what, it's I'm not loving it, mm. <laughs> I'm not feeling it, it's not really for me, I'd rather be doing this other niche, yeah. it's it's so easy these days just to change your website, to change, you know, what you decide to talk about on social media. In the old days, when you get got all your brochures printed and, you know, all of your, your business cards and that sort of thing, it was a huge investment to suddenly change direction. Yeah. But these days, you can change direction at the drop of a hat. You know, more or less. And so if instead of a lot of, I see a lot of photographers who have paralysis by analysis or is it analysis by paralysis? No, I think it's paralysis by analysis. Um, and and instead of taking action and putting themselves out there because they they don't know what they want to identify as yet, they don't do anything. But I just think identify as uh, identify with whatever and you you as you find your feet you can just evolve and shape your offering along the way so yeah definitely think about a niche but remember that you can change your niche if you decide it's not for you so uh not many people know this, but I, like, I started uh, doing uh, models and actors' headshots and I always wanted to be a fashion photographer, Val, and mm -hmm. that's the direction I was heading in. But then I changed to food. Did you know that? So very early on no. I was doing a lot of food and uh, product photography. Uh, well, I think I've told the story about the uh, one really big gig that I got early on in my career shooting moose. And uh, they delivered chocolate mousse. Oh, mousse. Right? <laughs> so it came in uh, like, so it had to be like we had to do all these different recipes and um, sort of different lifestyle shots with chocolate mousse in different um, contain, you know, different uh, sort of settings. And so we had to get delivered like, you know, kilos and kilos and kilos of uh, this chocolate mousse. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the leftovers you can't throw it out, Val. It's chocolate mousse. <laughs> we had to eat it. You of know? course you did. So, but then um, from there I thought, you know, I always thought I'd do fashion. But as I started doing um, more and more sort of actors' headshots, which again was accidental, I realised that's the area that I wanted to specialise in and that sort of really niched my way down into that area. And then I changed again to doing sort of more lifestyle stuff mm. and I added travel as well too. So, you know, your work does evolve um, over the years and like, you know, it's best to just start somewhere, right? Exactly. Just get something started. It doesn't matter what. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so yeah, it's it's just just start somewhere and don't suffer from paralysis by analysis. Mm. Right, cool, cool line. Um, so Val, do you think it's important for photographers to have a website? Well, let me first define what I mean by website. Really, I think that photographers do need to have some kind of online presence where people can find you and contact you. You know, because that's the easiest way. People look online these days. They don't look up the yellow pages or the white pages <laughs> or anything like that. I can't believe it. I, You know, <laughs> some got delivered the other day and I'm like, who even what? uses these things? You know, you use them. I, we use them on set to, um, you know, if you're doing a group shot, people <laughs> to stand on. So, and, and they, they make good weight. So, they come in handy for okay. that. But I've never, I haven't looked in one for a very long time. No, well, people look online, right? So, you just need a way for people people to find you online and contact you because I think a lot of particularly new photographers especially if you know you haven't taken the plunge into full-time photography yet they balk at the idea of a website because it you know it costs money it takes effort because they're thinking of this giant thing with pages and pages and pages and lots of, uh, of their photos but really you just need even if it's a one-page website 
you know, maybe even about.me page, but ideally it's your own URL. And you just need to have even one page so that people can find you and contact you because unlike the old days where you used to have a portfolio, you can showcase your photography on Flickr, on Instagram, on a whole range of uh, things that aren't necessarily your website. But of course, you can have a gallery on your website if you want. But in the old days, you know, remember you used to have that giant portfolio, Gina? Yeah. You'd have to cart it around mm. or send it by courier to an editor or a client. And it was such precious cargo because if you lost that yeah. physical portfolio, you were stuffed. Of course, yeah. you still had your prints, you know, you still had your negatives and your, you know, all that. But, but sometimes they were original clippings and it yeah. takes time to rebuild the portfolio. So the beauty about being a photographer these days is you don't need to cart around a, f- a portfolio because you can showcase your work online very easily. I know that you have gotten jobs, really lucrative jobs, just through your Instagram feed, yep. haven't you, Gina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a really interesting thing that I'm noticing that's happening. And it's about um, like putting the work out there that you love to do not just putting the work out there that you think everyone's going to like because Mm. if you put stuff out there that you think people are going to like, you're going to be shooting stuff out there that looks like everyone else's stuff. People are looking for different. They're looking for the passion. They're looking for the quirkiness. They're looking for the personality. So, yeah, Instagram, a lot of people on there, a great way to connect and you can also engage. The engagement on Instagram is so high and so you can um, develop relationships, which is – uh, always a great thing, Val, for getting yourself out there. For sure. So I would think level one, you need to have uh, at least a one-page website. So just a you know online presence where people can find you and contact you. Level two, so you know if you're a little bit more serious, or have a way to showcase your photos, whether that's through Instagram or some other photo site. But Instagram is where everyone's kind yeah. of at. And level three, still have your Instagram, but also have a gallery on your on your on your website as well so that you have some of your work on your website but you know it, it, you don't have to go to the full on level 3 from day 1 because it's so easy to use the other tools yeah uh so it doesn't have to be expensive to 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 start out and get have an online presence you know uh it's it just just think of your website as your calling card and a way for people to contact you because that's what's important it's you know if you especially if you want them to book you for jobs or yep. or anything like that yeah and just adding to that, Val, I think um, if, if you're going to start from scratch now and get a website, get one that you own and you control. There are so many Squarespace. Um, mm. I use Photo Shelter that you can pay uh, a little bit to to have them. They're like template ones or you can create one your own, a really simple one that you're able to uh, change and update as you need to because if you hand that power over to someone else, yep. it gets very, very expensive. And as photographers – we're changing our work all the time and I see photographers who are like, yeah, I've got all these new shots. I'm just waiting for the graphic designer to have time to update my uh, site. So their site stays like the same for ages because they're trying to scramble to get the, together the money to cha- make those yeah. small changes. And there's no excuse now to, to not have like an up-to-date website. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. So, yeah. It's 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 definitely something that you need to have, but you don't need to have all the bells and whistles from day one. Fantastic. Um. So, like, when it comes to what you have on there, Val, do you think that like we should all have a a, a bio on there, like a photographer's bio? Because I see that a lot, and I see a lot of different ones. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, of course you have to have a bio because how will people find out what you're about or what you stand for or what you're into? So you should definitely have a bio on your website. Don't, I mean, I know that I've met some photographers who say, oh, why do I need that? My my photos should speak for uh-huh. themselves. And yes, of course your photos should speak for themselves, but people want to know the person behind the photos because that's how they're going to make their decision as to whether they're going to hire you or not because, you know, they, they get to know a little bit about you and the person you you 
you are. So a couple of things here. I think that if you're a newbie photographer and you're starting out, and this is different advice to if you're a more established photographer, but if you're starting out, I think you need to own that you're a photographer and you need to be not afraid to say in your bio, whether that's a bio on your website or, or, or a social media bio even, you need mm-hmm. to be not afraid to say photographer or wedding photographer or surf photographer or whatever it is that you've decided to niche in. That's Um, interesting that you say that, Val, because I see a lot of people uh, writing stuff like I'm a student photographer or a new and and like the the minute I read that I think well that's going to put off a lot of clients but it's like even if you've taken one photo you know and you're putting yourself out there you call yourself a photographer yeah because I also see bios you know that say um coffee lover uh enjoy breaking bad and also I love my Nikon and it's right. like, you know, that's fine if you don't want to be known as a photographer or if you don't want to get more photography gigs or don't want to build your profile as a photographer. But if right. you do, it's, you know, why is coffee lover first? <laughs> why is the fact that you love Breaking Bad second? And why are you just saying, I love my Nikon? You should just say photographer. Right. <laughs> and I love my Nikon or whatever. <laughs> so... You need to own the fact that you are a photographer and not be afraid to put that in your social media bios uh, because people are looking that kind of stuff up. And um, in terms of your actual, the longer bio that is on your page, I see a lot of mistakes uh, and it drives me a little bit bonkers when um, I read some photographer bios Mm. and not just photographer bios but certainly other creative artists and creative entrepreneurs as well like the other day I I was just talking to it's what you just said about student photographer I was talking to a writer and I know she's a really good writer like she's been a writer for years and she's she's very good um and uh she's in fact she's being published in an anthology and she's asked me her opinion on the bio uh, the bio that she's written and in the bio that she's written she says aspiring writer and i'm like you're being published in an anthology and they're asking you for this bio and you want to say aspiring writer when i know you've been writing for the last you know 8 years or something and you it's i don't know whether it's a confidence thing or what but own the fact that you are a writer own the fact that you are a photographer uh but yeah in terms of the longer bio some of the other mistakes i see oh my goodness is when people decide to write their bio as a chronological account of their life what i mean by that is they say you know in 1993, I graduated from university where I studied a Bachelor of Business and majored in human resources. And then I did this, and then I did this, then I did this, and then I did this, and then I did this, and then I did this. And then I bought my Canon and I get really passionate about photography. And now I, I'm, I photograph weddings on weekends. And it's like, my goodness, if this is your photography website, you know, make sure you have a photographer's bio. Don't just get whatever was on LinkedIn and put it on, yeah. on your photography website. You you don't tell, you, you don't write your bio chronologically. That is probably the worst way you could do it, especially right. if you've come to photography later in life. And even if you did photography at college like you did, you, you don't start off with, when I was in college, I did this and this and this. You start off, always start your bio with the here and now. I right. am a leading wedding photographer in the northern beaches of Sydney. Or right. I am a photographer that specialises in um, shooting surfers and bodyboarders or whatever. I don't know. Right, right, so right, right, right. Always start with the here and now. And you can tell the backstory in paragraph three or four. Yep. But people have short attention spans on the internet, especially. And when yeah. they're reading that your their your bio, they need to know straight away who you are and what you stand for. This is great, Val. No one it's like you just hear so you need a buyer, but no, no one actually ever breaks it down to like you 
how the buyer should look or what you should say. And like as as a photographer, I know that it's a really um, daunting thing to think about. Well, well you know, we, we specialise in um, putting our images out there, but like writing is generally not our specialty. So knowing what order and what to say, which is so important, but like no one ever actually sit like that. So this is great stuff. Thank oh, you. Good. <laughs> and it's useful. The other thing that I suggest is, you know, people often will say it in their first line or, or well, first paragraph, you know, things like their memberships or like I'm a member of the Australian Photographic Whatever Association right. or the US, you know, Society of Photographers or whatever, um, or, or, or uh, their, their um their qualifications. I graduated from COFAR and did this. I studied yeah. the, the fine arts, whatever. And I'm not saying that that's not important, but I'm saying it doesn't belong in the first paragraph, especially if you graduated 20 years ago. Right. I, I think that, yeah, if you're really proud of your achievements and qualifications and memberships, put it in paragraph, you know, four or five. But Really, they being a member of something or graduating from something doesn't tell me, tell a client or anyone else anything about the quality of your photography or, or right. what it is that you do and you what you stand for. So you might instead say, I am passionate about photographing animals and, right. you know, and, and have, have carved a niche as one of Melbourne's top pet photographers. You can, because people need to know straight away what it is that you're good at. So you need to tell people and telling people your qualifications and your memberships don't necessarily explain what you're actually passionate about or what it is you specialize in or what you do. So yeah, that's, that's another tip as well. Great point, great point. Another thing, as I mentioned, is, you know, don't replicate your resume as your bio, especially if you've had a number of different jobs in different industries. I'm not saying you should hide it at all. I'm just saying it's not relevant. If you've worked, you know, as a chiropractor in the past or or something else or, or worked in, you know, human resource or, what, or, or whatever, that's not necessarily going to add value to your to what you do as a photographer, unless perhaps you're photographing people in the wellness industry or photographing people for corporate headshots. Then, then being a chiropractor or, um, uh, you know, working in human resources might have some relevance. But some people think that they need to mention every job they've ever had and you don't. You just need to mention the stuff that's going to be relevant for you as a photographer and, and that's okay. And the other thing is that I remind people is that um, you need to tailor your bio to your target market. So, um Often you might have a bio on a, on a website, but let's say your local council is looking for you it is in, because you're a member of the Chamber of Commerce or something, and they want to engage you to photograph um, a, a, a market day or an event, mm -hmm. a council event or a street you know, event, big thing that, they, that they've got going on. Well, if, and they want you to tender for it, you need to, sh you don't just cut and paste your bio off your website, tweak it so it really mentions your experience in event photography, where you've shot markets in the past, where you've dealt with big crowds of people, where you've dealt with groups, and just tweak your bio to mention all of that. And likewise, if you're then tendering for a corporate job, tweak your bio when, before you send, off, send it to them in an email so that you emphasize your corporate experience and that you've dealt with CEOs and senior executives and you know yep. people like that. So people often think that a bio is static and that they need to just use that bio all the time. And sometimes you'd see people's bios never change for years yep. on their website. Yep. But in and fact, the photo of themselves is still from 20 years ago. That's right. <laughs> and, and 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 it's so important to to that your bio is an evolving document and that you can change it whenever you want. So now that you've told us the mistakes, what should be in a bio? Okay. Well, I think that uh, it's really important well, you've got to make sure that the bio you have is a reflection of, of you, you know, and that's, it's in your voice, it's authentic and all that kind of stuff. But to give you a little bit of a guideline, some people just know how to write their bio. But if, if you want a bit of a guideline, then I suggest a couple of things. Firstly, you probably want to decide whether you're going to write about it in first person or third person, as in I am a photographer 
or Gina is a photographer, right? right. So first, so, first so. person is I am a photographer and I'm based in Melbourne and I love this and blah, blah, blah. Uh, or third person, so Gina is a photographer based in Melbourne, so on. Now, it, it, there's no hard and fast rule, but I think it depends also on the kind of photography that you do. For example, huh? if you're a wedding photographer, yeah. I probably really want you, and I'm a bride that's getting married and I have the insecurities of a bride and I'm a bridezilla and I, you know, really want to have my perfect day be perfect. I probably want to have a good connection and relationship with you. Right. So I would probably suggest using the word I there, especially if you're the one who's going to be taking photos of the wedding. Yeah. So, you know, I'm passionate about weddings. I really want to bring something special to the day, you know, that sort of thing. So I think first person is okay then. But if, for example, you deal with an agent, you know, because you might have um, an agent or a, a personal assistant or a booker or, you know, you're working through an agency yeah. and people aren't going to get you first off right. when, when they make the inquiry, I would probably suggest third person in that, in that instance. But regardless of which one you choose, I would suggest that you start off with four core points and they're pretty simple. They're your who and your what. So, for example, um, you know, I am a portrait photographer based in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's who. Yeah. And, and your what. So, what what I mean by what is what it is that perhaps is your niche or the thing that you really love shooting the most. So, I'm a portrait photographer based in Melbourne specialising in um, taking photos of entrepreneurs. Right. Perhaps. Yeah, you could, you could be. It could be anything. You could be taking photos of you know the surf or industrial estates yeah. or pets, whatever. Yeah. But let's just say entrepreneurs. Uh, so then that's so that's your who and your what. Then go to your how. So I do this by you know making sure that I shoot them in their um, in in a setting that's comfortable to them that really reflects their brand and what yeah. they do and you know their business. And then why and when is the next the next why and when. yeah why and when so i love taking photos of entrepreneurs because i love that the the energy and dynamic nature that they bring to their business and i really want to capture that on film and really convey that message to their customers and when it could be you know i i, I can i can do this on weekends or you know, while you're at a conference or whatever, when it, when because right. obviously with weddings you you're doing you you have certain availability. You know, with pets you like to do it during daytime. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And maybe your point of difference. So some in that instance, your point of difference might might be, um, in addition to classic uh, portraits that are great for the media that that is you know print. Um, I uh, am a passionate about the digital world, so I provide entrepreneurs with also with a whole range of social media profile pics. That might be your point of difference. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. They're your, your four core points really. You start off with your who and your what. You yeah. go to your how, yeah. you do your why and your when, and then you have your point of difference. And I think that that is a nice, succinct bio. I mean, I rambled on a little bit then, but yeah. you, can, you can certainly tighten that, tighten that up into a nice, succinct bio. But, you know, sometimes people want to know a little bit more about you and you, um, you might have a web page that has the space to expand a little bit more on those points. So in addition to your four core points, I would suggest that if you wanted a slightly longer bio, because sometimes you can use a short bio for something and sometimes you can use a longer bio for something, right. depending on what the purpose is. So I would suggest then you can expand on it with four supplementary points. And that might be how you got started. So you might say, you know, I got started in photography, you know, as soon as I could pick up my dad's box brownie uh, or whatever. Right. <laughs> so that's when you go in and tell the story back, you know, what, what, why you got into it and, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it, it might be how you started that way, but it might be because some photographers came to photography late in life. Mm. And so it might be something like I, you know, got started when I, if you're a pet photographer, when I got my first cat and I realised and I had a knack for shooting animals because I could really connect with them and, you know, that, that sort of thing. Is that what you'd write, Val? <laughs> 
I'm not a pet photographer. I just take photos. It will of be my one pets. day. Like it'll be like one day. I decided that I was really good. I'd taken enough photos of Rexy, <laughs> and uh, and then I became you know the world's best pet photographer. Possibly, possibly. Yeah? <laughs> well, I'll let you know when that day comes. <laughs> But then you could, would also talk about your client's struggles. So in that instance, you might say, um, I know how hard it is to get a great photo of your dog, especially yeah. if your dog is always running or never sitting still or a great photographer of your kids because your kids are go crazy when there's a camera out or whatever. And, and, I, and I understand how difficult it is, but because of you know the techniques I've mastered or my connection with animals or whatever... I can get these great shots. And then you would talk about your client successes. So remember, your four supplementary points so far are how you got started. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, understanding your client struggles. Yeah. Number three is your client successes. So you might say things like, you know, um, if you're a photographer of entrepreneurs, you might say things like, as a result of my photos of this particular entrepreneur, whatever her name is, she got the cover of the, it, it, it got to be on the cover of whatever magazine yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. and she got lots of print coverage or lots of coverage or whatever so it's okay to brag at this point Val yes <laughs> but you brag by talking about your client's stories you let right. them be the hero right you know, right right. so she... you're not going you're not banging on about yourself at this point and saying I'm so awesome that I've done this this and this yeah you're saying it about someone else so it doesn't look like you're bragging yeah you're doing you it are. in a subtle way exactly you, you <laughs> yeah. are but you're letting your client basically, you know, um, tell their story. Uh-huh. Um, but then you're, the fourth point is you're, sometimes you might want to do this. It depends. Your achievements and credentials. So maybe you've won some awards or you've been on the cover of, of I won this. a yo-yo contest <laughs> when I was 12. Yeah, do not, I put that in? Not that kind, no. No? No. It is funny, actually. I do see some photographer bios and they will put these random awards that have got nothing to do with photography yeah. or their niche yeah and I kind of just go I don't see the point but is um, that but, but like you know in all seriousness Val mm-hmm. just to put in uh, have some personality in your bio would that be a good thing if you are a bit of a wisecracker to slip something like that in just to show some personality oh of course yeah if you if that's your voice and that you're showing you know that you're a bit of a wisecracker yeah of course do that but that's different than saying that you got the best award in human resources in 1984 I you didn't. know it's 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 just funny if you won a yo-yo competition yeah so i've you, ever won bell <laughs> i find that hard to believe it's true so we've got your four core points, your four supplementary points if you want to have a longer bio. But also, this is the thing that most photographers and creative entrepreneurs generally forget is to have a call to action in your bio. So something, What do you mean by that? What's a call to action? So about? something like, um, would you like a quote or, or call if you want a quote on your wedding or call if you want to book your pet in for a two-hour session. So a call to action, Val, is telling them to do something. Yeah, inviting them to take an action. To do something. Yeah, right. And should there always be a call to action? I would suggest so because your your bio, which is usually your about page on your website, is one of the most clicked pages. Right, you know, on your website because people want to know <laughs> what you're about or who you're, you know, who who it is that they're potentially dealing with. So the, for sure, a lot of people click on your about page. So why waste the opportunity not to continue the conversation? So what would you say if I said, well, that feels a bit needy when you go, so do this? But it could simply be connect with me on Twitter. Right. Okay. Or so it's a check bit out my Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. it's whatever you're comfortable with. Yep. Yep. It's just it's, but it's inviting them to take an action. Yeah. Uh, or it could even be download this checklist on how to take photos of your cat. Right. You so know? you're giving your clients something for nothing. Yes, but you're getting their email address. Right. Yes. And why do you need an email address? Because it's so important to build your database because that person who's downloading that checklist, they may not be ready to book you as a pet photographer yet because, right. you know, their their cat has Appalachia, you know, where, where they lose their hair and they yeah. want to wait to because he's stressed, which is what happened to Rex. So yeah. you have want to wait 
till Rex is le wait till your cat is less stressed and the hair grows back to take beautiful photos, right? So that person might not be ready to book you in as a photographer yet. But if you keep them up to date with a newsletter or maybe you've you've got a summer special because it's easier to take photos yep. of pets in summer or something, uh, then they might be ready down the track. And you won't actually be able to market to them if you don't get their email address. And I'll just say that a lot of photographers would say, well, I don't need an email address because I've got everyone on my Facebook page. What, what do you say to that, Val? I, because you might have everyone on your Facebook page, mm -hmm. but it is, you it's far harder to market directly to people. Um, through right. Facebook than it is yep. via email. Also, just okay. because someone has liked your page because they happen yep. to like your photography is very nice. But yeah. if somebody's actually given you their email address, they're they're one step they're they're warmer as a lead. Right, in a sense. right, 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 right. So it's important to collect that email address. Absolutely, or contact details in some way yep. that you can yep. you know contact them. Yeah, so awesome. there you go. That's what you should put in your bio, in my opinion, anyway. So that's really good. That's great info, Val. Um, getting back, I just want to talk a little bit more about social media because you're a bit of an expert in that, so we can pick your brain on that. Mm -hmm. um, what's your advice on how, how photographers should use social media? Like wh where do you start? What do you do? What do you think? Well, I think you need to, at the very least, just own the real estate. And what I mean by that is to own your social media handles, even if you're not ready to use them yet. Um, you know, just get them. They're free. So so by that, so like I think of a great name and I call myself at Awesome Photographer or should I go by my name? What's your advice on that? Well, if you're going by your name as a photographer, then you should go by your name in social media. But if you've got a particular business like, you know, Weddings Are Us or whatever, yeah. <laughs> then you might want to do that. But get get them both. Why, so, and just, why not? And, They're free. And so, like, every time there's a new social media, just go and, and just um, get it. reserve it in that name, yeah. even if you don't do anything with it, just have it. Yes. And, I, and be, the main reason for that is so that your competitors don't. Right. Because I know, I've met a guy recently who he just spends his spare time while he's watching television snapping up the social media handles of all his competitors just so that they can't have them. What? Yeah. So get yours, <laughs> you know. <laughs> go check uh, all the others that I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get yours. So um, in the first instance, own the real estate. And, yeah. and I think the important thing to remember with social media is that you do not have to be on every platform because seriously, that would drive your nuts. Yeah. It's physically impossible. Yeah. So I would suggest only concentrating on the, you know, one or two platforms right. that work for you and don't even bother going crazy trying to update all the other platforms because you'll you'll probably find that only one or two um get traction and so which ones well Val? which one should we go with here's the thing people always say which ones but it's actually not because because if twitter might work for me it might not work for you right yeah if facebook might work for me it might not work for you so right. i think the way you determine which ones is you need to dip your toe in the water um to see to see which ones you enjoy the most and if you enjoy it, you're going to do it. And if you do it, you're going to make connections with people. So right. determine it that way. You know, which are the ones that either you just enjoy doing the most or which are the ones that you know your target market are hanging out on the most. Right. So, for example, um, uh, with weddings, say, you might yep. determine, and I don't know if this is the case, I'm just giving an example here, you might determine that a lot of brides join sort of um, bride-to-be Facebook groups to, to plan their wedding, to find out about suppliers, to know who, what venues are good and bad and that sort of thing. If they're all on Facebook, join that Facebook group. Right. Uh, but if you find that, you know, you're a, a pet photographer and you, you – uh, people – there's a whole huge um, – Pinterest community of people showing photos of their pets, then join Pinterest. So it, it depends on right. on what you enjoy the most or where the people you want to connect with hang out. And I think with social media as well, it's important to understand that there's a different strategy. If you say want to connect with your peers just so that you can, you know, talk to like-minded people, 
then you're you're just connect you you don't have to be um, as strategic uh, uh, about what you talk about because really you're you're just having conversations with your peers. But right. if you want to connect with industry, say you want to make contacts at um, Canon or you want to make contacts at uh, you know in, in, with advertising agencies, mm-hmm. then you need to be strategic about that and have a different way of interacting with them than you would say with potential clients. But then if you want to... What do you mean by that, Val? Well, with potential clients, you are having, you're you're being helpful in terms of uh, giving them tips on how to take better photos or how to take a better wedding shot or a better, you know, um, social media shot or something like that. But if you're trying to tell that to an advertising agency, you're kind of telling them how to suck eggs in a sense, even though some of them need help. Um, (laughs) It's, you you, you, you would just have a different conversation, basically. Right, right, right. So I would suggest that it's particularly valuable for um, connecting with potential clients if you can identify a niche and go to where that niche is. And I gave you the example of the wedding one. Um, Because otherwise, if you're just going to start talking, start on social media and hope that people are going to be attracted to you, that's not necessarily the case. You need to actually have conversations with people so that people then find you interesting and then go to you and go, oh, okay, he's a photographer. I might check out his website. Yeah, and I have to agree, Val, because it's like when you suggested uh, over eight years ago that I go on this thing called Twitter, (laughs) I'm like, what what the hell Val why would I want to do that she's like you're like just do it and uh and see what happens and then I got addicted didn't I Val yes you did but but she you said to me just be yourself and talk about the things that interest you and and so you know for ages I didn't even post any of my photos on Twitter I just started having conversations Mm. and like there's a whole bunch of people that are now my very close friends that I've that, that, that I'm now hanging out with. the um, Calm, who I'm doing the uh, Sicilian yes. food tour, is a result of Twitter, Twitter and a, yes. a whole host of other things. And the really interesting thing that happened is suddenly clients that I've been working with for ages, they're going, I didn't know you did this. I didn't know you did that style of photography. And suddenly I had mm-hmm. an opportunity to showcase all these other styles of photography. But the best thing about it was that I got to really show my personality. Yes put myself out there and and for me uh twitter was fantastic a great way and as is uh instagram now because i'm showing another side yes. of photography so yeah i totally agree that it's 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 well worth uh getting on if, if you're not already do clients go i didn't know you were funny yeah yeah they said <laughs> stuff like that or that but that you know there was clients that i was doing like um social pics for mm. who didn't know i shot fashion oh gosh like, because all they see are my social pics mm-hmm. and they never realise. They're like, we didn't know you did this or we didn't know you did that. So it was really interesting mm. as an exercise. Yeah, it's a great way to have a, you know, to, to have a conversation with people without having a conversation, without meeting up for coffee, you know. It's, it's, it's so efficient. Yeah, for introverts, it's perfect. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. So we get on and we do the social media, but do you see, um, like, are there mistakes, that, like common mistakes that photographers make? I think, yes, definitely. I think one of the great things about social media and when you're showcasing your work, you know, you're posting photos, is that your pictures speak for themselves. So that's that's great. Um, and with Instagram these days, it's so normal to, to be posting photos on social media, yeah, like yeah. really normal. It's it, unlike some other professions. It's not like you're saying, you know, look at me, I'm amazing because everyone posts photos. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, I, I think it's important like not to necessarily seek praise or what do you think? or you know that sort of thing I think that you know just posting your photos and letting your photos speak for themselves is is a great thing and um but I do see some photographers make some mistakes on social media because it's so important to remember that the photos speak for themselves your the photos that you take that you take of your landscapes of people the portraits of food of whatever I know for some photographers who all they post I'm not kidding is photos of themselves of themselves not yeah. of their photography not, yeah, I know. well obviously it's yeah. taken you know they've taken the shot using a timer or whatever right but um you know basically because in their mind they're promoting themselves as photographers right but i think that's just counterintuitive and a big mistake it just makes you 
kind of roll your eyes. And and instead they should be showing off the photos that they've taken because yeah. that's, you know, that, that's what's, uh, that's, that's the thing that's going to tell people how great a photographer you are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, totally. Um, I know it might be hard to believe, but there are photographers out there, I see it a lot, who all they do is post photos of themselves. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so just now we've, we've chatted about this. Uh, if photographers out there that are listening to this wanted to start their own blog, I mean, should they? Is it important to do um, to attract more clients? And what do you write about? And should you be writing something every day or weekly or monthly? Sure. What do you do and what do you put in there and how do you do it? When I talk to entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs about the you know potentially starting a blog, I say to them that a blog, in most cases, is a way for you to showcase your expertise. Now, photographers are in this wonderful position of being able, as I say, to showcase their expertise through their pictures and let their pictures you know, a picture tells a thousand words. Yeah. So the thing is you don't have to, unless you actually want to go into training and teaching and that sort of thing, You, if, if you're, all you want to do is showcase your expertise as a photographer, mm. you don't necessarily have to write lots of words, you know, you don't have to write lots of how-tos unless you, you want to and you're that way inclined. I know that you write amazing how-tos because they're, and they're just so well-structured and funny and, and you know, um, distilled into in such an easy format but if, if but for other photographers who just want to showcase their photography you can just blog a shot and yep. a very brief story behind it you know right. like obvious things like where it was shot why you yep. shot it why you know what you wanted to achieve that sort of thing it's only a paragraph or even like a long caption. Yeah. So people just need to – a blog is there to showcase your work or your expertise. So that's how you should use it. Now, the thing with a lot of photography websites, and it's slowly starting to change but not quickly enough, <laughs> is that a lot of photographers use um, these pre-made websites that someone, you know, eight years ago created to showcase a portfolio. Right. And often they're really hard to share. Those photos are hard to share. So right. if there's a, you know, um, a series of eight shots in a particular album and I love shot number six and I want to show my client or the model yep. or whoever shot number six, it's really hard to send them a link just to shot number six Yeah. Uh, because these these sort of shells or these templates were developed many years ago before sharing was such a yeah, big yeah, thing. Yeah. And they were just designed as a way to, you know, kind of view in a slideshow or something uh -huh. your work in a, in, in a really um, crisp and big format. But the reality is these days we just expect that you're going to shoot a high-res shot. <laughs> Even <laughs> if we saw it as smaller, we uh -huh. still see the quality. Um, so I think that uh, it's it, you use your blog as an easy way to showcase your stuff. You you know you, you and it depends what you want to do. But I would suggest showcasing you know your favorite shots. In potentially you could showcase behind the scenes at shoots, yeah. So that people can see that you're working with bonds, or people can see you're working with whatever agency, or that you're dealing with you know. Three, three pets. Yeah, that you're working. You're yeah. working. It's just that social proof, exactly, isn't it? or that you're working, and um, and potentially what you can show on your blog. Let's say that you're a pet photographer. I know I keep coming back to that, but you know yeah, I'm obsessed because it's, it's just what you want to yeah. be. Val. <laughs> it's, it's if you have if you are a pet photographer, one of the things apart from fantastic photos of pets, of course, is you can have your client stories. So you can talk about you know Mary who got you to shoot her cat and yeah. how how her cat she could never get a good shot and because the cat would always hide when she saw the big camera come out or always put her ears back and never you know put them up and make them which is how she is you know most pretty and yeah. she Mary you could tell her story about um what a great experience she had with you as the photographer and now how she's got this big picture blown up and it's her pride and joy and whatever you know what I mean and yeah, obviously that's great. you show photos of the cat as well. 
That's great. And and like if you, you just have to look at uh, Humans of New York blog, which mm. was started on Instagram, the person that was doing that started with just by posting photos, not getting many shares, and then started including a story behind the stories behind the shots. Mm. And suddenly there's the human interest there and then it exploded after that. So, yes. um you know, adding that story personalises. Everyone loves a story, Val, don't they? Yes, and that is why those portfolio-style websites where all you get is the shot and no caption, no story, are actually not as engaging as when you just get that one-paragraph caption of simply, you know, where it's shot, what were you trying to achieve and why you decided to shoot it. Yeah, and I think that don't be afraid of having your work shared. Like a lot of photographers are very protective about mm. their work and they don't want it shared. But it's a great thing because you never know who is going to come across your work. And if it's, once it starts getting shared and it goes viral, then suddenly it's in front of thousands and thousands of eyes. Mm. And, uh, you know, they're all prospective clients as well. So I think it, it's a great thing. For sure, yeah. So... Like you gave me some advice uh, on, you know, my next question is, so what if I can't write or, you know, don't have the confidence, you know, if if someone's out there is thinking that, like what would be your advice? And I know you gave me some excellent advice. And so can can you share that with uh, everyone listening? I can't remember what advice I gave you, You, but okay. So so like, (laughs) you know, when I first uh, started writing, I, I, I came to you and I'm like, okay, so, you know, what, what should I do? How do I approach this? And you, you simply said to me, just uh, write like you speak. Yes, definitely. So it's the best advice ever. Yeah, and if you read Gina's blog and newsletters, <laughs> she writes like she speaks. <laughs> I took it literally, didn't I? Yes. So I guess that is a, a piece of advice number one, write like you speak and don't worry about it. Piece of advice number two would be I challenge the concept that you can't write. You probably maybe think that you can't write because your English teacher told you that at school or yeah. someone they, told you he that. He did. Yeah, well, stuff that English teacher. Yeah, I know. I have now. Just Five- just, Thank you very much. Just write. If you don't enjoy writing, which is a totally different thing, then you don't have to, like I said, you don't have to write reams and reams of stuff for each blog post. You can just write a one-paragraph caption that tells the story of that photo. And you'll be surprised. You'll start writing that one paragraph, and five paragraphs later, you'll probably still be writing. Right. But, you know, if you're not writing five paragraphs later, just stick with the one paragraph. That's fine. Fantastic. Val, I could I could chat to you for hours. You about do. This. this is awesome. <laughs> I know I do. I pick your brain, but I'm like, you know, I'm so glad we've done this show, and it's uh, fun. we'll have to do another one because I've got um, another four million questions to ask you about, like from a client perspective. So we'll definitely uh, do another show and uh, and do some more. Awesome. This. this was great ask fun. Valerie, ask <laughs> Val the new segment. Uh, what's the hashtag, Val, for oh, this show? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to leave it up to you now. Yeah, hashtag Gina challenge. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to go with, geez, well, it's how to build your profile as a photographer. So I, I don't know. Well, hashtag profile kind of work. Yeah, we'll do hashtag yeah. profile because you can right. interpret that however you like. Yep. So remember to join the Facebook group, uh, So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and upload your photos hashtag Gina challenge and this week it's hashtag profile because we'd love to see them in the meantime make sure that you join Gina's newsletter so you can see how she writes like she speaks it's quite hilarious (laughs) and you can find that where Gina uh, at ginamilitia.com g-i-n-a-m-i-l-i-c-i-a and where do we find you on social media at Gina Militia on Instagram, at Gina Militia on Twitter, and then you will also find me um, on the Facebook group. Yes, yes. And you'll find me at Valerie Koo on Instagram and Twitter and and uh, just and find me on Facebook as well. The dogs want their dinner, Val. The dogs do want their dinner, so <laughs> we do have to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy that we've changed it up a bit this week. Yeah, thanks, Val. That was awesome. And thank you for all the good, the great questions, Gina. Oh, you know, I was trying my best, Val. It was, like, it was my debut as an interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> so until next week, we'll chat to you then.
Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.